Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them. Blessed are for thou Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us in Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and it shall be created. Let us pray. O God, it instruct the hearts of your faithful by light of the Holy Spirit. Granted by the same Spirit may be truly wise and never rejoice in his consolation. Same Christ tell. Amen. Amen. Lady Guadalupe. Pray for us. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. All God's angels and saints. Pray for us. Well, good evening. Just that you're aware that we're um, already organizing this uh, retreat for your for your, your your kids, and we're really hoping that this will have a powerful impact on them. And the whole dynamic of this retreat is um, very Ignatian, because most of you know the Ignatian exercise because we've been giving them for 20 years here. So you're aware of. That dynamic is the is the power of the image, power of the image. Um, I doubt your kids during the vacation break are going to be re- reading Aristotle in Greek and Dante in the original Italian and um, Shakespeare in Middle English. I doubt it. No. As a whole, the young people, they, they, they simply, they don't like to read, no? Nor do they read well. <laughs> but they like images, no? So let's, let's get them where they're at. Let's get them where they're at. So we're going to be showing to them uh, three different movies uh, taken from Chosen. And if you haven't seen it, invite all of you to see Chosen. I think it's about the best thing out there on the life of Christ. Is uh, Jonathan Rumi's putting together a whole series, and he's he's just doing one one series at a time. He's uh, he's already in, in in the third the third session. Each session has about six different movies, but they're really well done. Uh, really well done. So, I was talking with uh, Deacon Jonas about this uh, today, and um, we're going to be presenting them forty-minute movie, and after that they'll have a little break, come back to have sharing on the topic, and have a facilitator so that they can talk a little bit about that movie, who Christ is for them. Then there will be guided prayer, where the deacon will guide them in prayer for maybe 20 minutes, and then we'll end up with Mass. So our hope is that they will have an experience with God. And uh, we've got to pray for that, because if not, it's, there's a good chance that once they graduate from high school, they'll, they'll give up the faith. Uh, I'm not a cynic or a skeptic but I'm a, I'm a realist okay? I, I studied Thomas Aquinas for many years so I'm, 
a Thomist is a realist. No. So we're we're hoping that they will have that they will have an experience. And um, if many of you have had an experience with God, and that's why you're here. So we have to pray that this will be an experience that they'll have, which will convince them that it's it's worth the while living out their Catholic faith. And the um, ultimate bridge would be to see that this movie figure, the Jonathan Rumi is Christ, this is the big this is the big clincher that he's present in the mass and, mass and the Eucharist. That's that's the big jump. If we can make that connection, I think your kids will be saved. Not only God knows. No? If not only well, we can only hope in God's mercy, but it's pretty bleak in many, pretty bleak in many circumstances. No? Pretty dark, no? So that's that's my hope is that this will make be a bridge. There will be a connection with Christ. That Christ is real, not simply a mythical figure that lived two thousand years ago in Palestine and Galilee. Okay, he lived. He's a plaster statue. No, he's he's alive today. So, um, I, I, I believe the program is a winner. Maybe you can pray that it will be. Okay? Of course, when they have this, they're going to be complaining because we're, we're kicking them out of their comfort zone. They just want to sit there and vacation and basically do nothing, right? So, we're kind of kicking them out of their, their comfort zone, which is, it's good to do that. You know? We shouldn't be nesting in our comfort zone and just vegetating. We want to we want to um, we want to grow in our faith. Amen? Amen. Then we'll have to do something like this for the adults. Yeah. What? Um, problem is, uh, all, all of them are are obliged to come. I don't know. Today, I was uh, confessing the first year. There's I probably heard 50 confessions. No? Uh, there's second year. I I think there's more than 200. You'd probably know better than me, right? Maybe 250 or something. The second year is huge, no? First year, I, I don't know, a little bit less, I think. I think all in total, you're going to get at least 350 kids, no? For second year? No, all together. Oh. It's that, that's still a big number. Like, for all the adults show up, they have to put you on the rafters or the roof, no? Father Ed, the Yes. Yeah, but it's it's it, yeah. Okay. Angel Studio. And you guys can watch it over the holidays. You can download all season one, all season two, and it's it's free, right? Yes, it's free. Yeah. So you can yeah. 
you, you just download from Angel Studios, get the app, and maybe you can start to see them with your kids already. Are they vacation starting on Friday? Yeah. Oh, they're already in vacation. No, my son's okay. Well, maybe you can get a head start. Already, already watch some of them. And um, the last one I I went with Mary and Eric. Um, it was so good that I I went I went to see it two times. Very rarely they go to Edwards, even though it is my name. No, I you know I go to Edwards, but um, what. Going to see something two times, I think that's about the first time I've ever done it. It was so good. And there was one scene, a couple of scenes that hit me so, so deeply that it brought me to tears. And the following morning, I got up to do my holy hour, and it was probably my best holy hour in six months, no? Because I was connecting between Jesus and these, in, these, these personal dialogues between Jesus and little James and Matthew. It's just, it's just well done, no? So, it would be a good idea to get the, you adults to do that too because maybe, maybe most of us don't really have a good relationship with Christ. It's just something very superficial, very perfunctory, very mechanical. Um, and you are the first teachers of your children anyway, no? Yes. No, I mean, it's a. The, 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 the scene that I saw, I, mean, I think Mary and Eric touched most, is that the, 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 the movie now is. Um, it's, you've got two episodes together. Each episode is about. Probably about. Let's say about 45 minutes, Mary? About 45 minutes. So, first one is on the Beatitudes. Sermon on the Mount. Excellent. Second one is on the apostles who are sent out to preach. So what happens is, Jesus brings the twelve apostles together and Eden is serving them. Eden is Peter's wife. That's the name of Peter's wife, Eden. So there they are in the upper room of Peter's house who lives right along Sea Galilee. Jesus is, is there giving them the instructions on what they have to do when they're going off two by two to preach the Word of God. And it's very biblical. Very biblical. He says, go out two and two. Don't take any sandals. You go there, preach. Stay in the house. They don't accept you. Um, brush their sandals and go on to another place. I mean, very biblical. And our Lord is explaining that. And you've got James, uh, you've got James the greater, and you've got James the lesser. They call him Little James, no? And Little James is, uh, he's got a defect. He can't walk that well. He's, he's somewhat lame, half lame. So he's, um, he approaches the Lord and says, Lord, you know, why, why haven't you healed me? You're healing everyone, but you're not healing me. Why haven't you healed me? And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Yeah. They're very timid, very shy. 
And um, says, Lord, why have you chosen me? Why are you going to send me out to preach these people? I can't do it. I'm going to be a failure. And our Lord says, I will heal you, but later on. But you're going there with that physical defect. You will heal much more than anyone else. Because of your... Then you will be healed. Be patient. You will be healed. And then quoting Isaiah, then when you go to heaven, you'll be leaping and jumping and praising God. Man. You see the tears welling up in his eyes and Jesus embracing him. He says, when you come back, you're going to be jumping in joy, telling me all the miracles that have because of you. Wow. Now, wouldn't that be great if we could talk to Jesus the way James did it? So with that, I made me holy out of the falling one. I felt like I felt like I was really talking with Christ. Almost as one of the best holy hours I've had in maybe six months. But it's through that image. And we're very Ignatian because Ignatius says we want to try to enter into the scene. If Ignatius were here, he'd say, do that, go for it. Before it was Jesus of Nazareth back in the, in the 70s. That was the classic back in the early 70s. Jesus, by Zeffirelli. But this is modern and probably even better. So this is a... They see that. They talk about it. The deacon leads them in prayer. Then they've got five minutes. Oh, now, now it's your turn to talk to Jesus. And then you receive him in Holy Communion. My hope is that's gonna that'll convert them. That's our hope. then maybe you as parents can follow up and as you're saying, you can follow up and maybe in the weekend you're going to see it together in the family. Then we'll go and have pizza and we'll talk about what was the scene that seemed to touch you most. That'd be great. You see, you go out and get a pizza. Okay, you know, each of you, which was the scene that really captivated you most? It's like the dynamic, the, the, the dynamic of Ignatian program in which you're sharing on a, on a family level. Some of you have done the exercises, so there you're, 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 you're sitting in your family. Even like your little one that's maybe eight years old, okay, but even like your little one, you have a little one, share. Maybe the little one has, has deeper insight than the teenager. No? You'd be surprised. Some of the little ones come up with these brilliant insights that even go beyond us. I mean, the Holy Spirit can work in them, too. Right, Gerardo? So, um, we're hoping that through your your powerful prayers, you can move the mountains. Huh? Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's uh, let's enter into our topic for the day. Yes. Oh, I'm 
afterward, if you want, we've got copies that you can pick up at the door. Yeah. So, living out the true meaning of Christmas. This is kind of building on what we had last week, but I'd like to go a little bit deeper. Christmas is a time for giving gifts. Right? The greatest of all gifts is a person. Who is that person? It is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is the great gift from God the Father to all humanity. He is also the gift offered to us from the hands and heart of His Mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. This gift is so extraordinary, the gift of Jesus, that we should receive Him, but in our turn strive to return by giving Him some gifts. What then are some gifts that we can that we can give to Him, manifesting our love and generosity towards Him? So these are the words of St. Paul, there's more joy in giving than in receiving. Classic novel made into a movie very many times is The Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. It can teach us as well as our family members, many important messages or lessons to learn absorb the true spirit of Christmas. The main character, Scrooge, had a past, a present, and a future. When confronted with the reality of his own mortality, He was transformed from a miserable and grasping miser into an open-handed and generous giver. So let us examine in our lives, our lives, and beg for the grace to be converted, the transformed and renewed Scrooge. Indeed, death will one day knock at the door of our hearts perhaps in the moment we least expect it. And we have our lanterns and lamps burning bright to receive the Lord Jesus. Following are some areas that we can delve into so as to experience the true, the authentic meaning of Christmas, the reason for the season. So let us be generous with God because He has been so generous with us in giving us Jesus, the gift and Savior. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's, um, let's uh, go work through this class. Time, I would um, invite all of you to write down write out a, pl- a plan of life for the new year. Plan of life for the new year. Probably the best way for you to understand that or live that out is to buy my book, Roadmap to Heaven. So you might even get my, my third book, Roadmap to Heaven, in which I explain in great detail how to live out a plan of life. I've divided the book into three different plans of life. One is a chronological. What what can you do every year, every month, 
every week, every day, every hour, every minute. So it's from the general to the specific. For example, every year, make a good retreat. All of you should make a good retreat every year. Yes, make a good retreat. Maybe it's not going to be a month. Maybe it won't be 15 days, but maybe it can be a weekend retreat. A weekend retreat can be very helpful to charge your spiritual batteries. I've been given an eight-day retreat you know, every, almost every year for 15 years up there in Alhambra. Hey, Roger's going a couple of times, right? Wait, about five times, right? Look how holy, how holy he is, no? <laughs> Mary's been with me for 16 years, right, Mary? Yeah. Well, you maybe, maybe can't make an eight-day retreat, but at least make a nice weekend retreat. But you got to pre-plan. you got to plan. Hoban is part of Christ. They've, they, they've given retreats for many years. Right, Jose? Different style, but... Well, different style, but retreat, retreat well, well done is what, what, what gives us a solid faith. Now, in Lent, if you like, I'll be giving a 10-week retreat. I'll be giving my 10-week program in Lent. And... Um, Already on Monday, those who come on Monday in Spanish, they're simply going to be coming to my retreat for 10 weeks. No? So you're going to be signing them in. But other people are going to be coming. More people are going to be coming from, hopefully from afar. No? And maybe I'll even do it in English on Tuesday. No, because I already have another session on Sunday. But the 10-week program... I just finished uh, two 10-week programs about a month ago, one in Pomona. You know where Pomona is, some of you know. And another one I, I made, I gave in Paramount. Pomona in English and Paramount in, Paramount in Spanish. And I had an experience I've never had before. In Pomona, you have um, Cal State Poly there. That I think is a school for basically the engineers, no? And uh, what happened, you got you had a girl that goes to Paris that goes there, and there is a, a youth group for the young people. It's uh, like the, the Newman Club. Like the Newman Club, when your daughter came, the exercises for those ten weeks, no. And um, if you don't know anything about the university, Newman Club is is a club in the university. It's like a Catholic club. So they have a Newman Club, but not official. Hasn't been officially stated yet. They want to ask Bishop O'Connell if he can give permission to have it formally formally stated there. So. This girl comes, maybe remember, Mary, the, the, the first week with about 10 of these university students. 
Some of them are about to become engineers. Others are just in their second or third years. And I was thinking, well, at least I saw them once, no? And then it'll be the first time or last. These kids persevere in meditating. Fat chance, huh? They came back the following week. Then they came back for the fourth week. Then they came back for the fifth week. They made their general confession. They were there for the tenth week. This marrying course they had, half of them came from Pomona to my five-week marrying course. Wow. I was blown away. I, I, I've never seen that yet in California. And guess what? One of them now is in spiritual direction with one of our spiritual directors. Possibly, become, possibly maybe he'll become a priest. On Sunday, I went off to uh, like a, a, a Christmas party in which the, the mother of this daughter invited me because they're going to be they're going to have something special, and rarely do I go, but given that they were going to be there, the young people, I went there, and there was a lot of them there, and two priests from the Legionaries of Christ, and I was sitting down and talking at the table with these three young men, talking as if I were talking to seminarians or theologians. And they said, well, Father, we're going to try to get we're going to try to get it established formally. Ask the Bishop O'Connell to give us formal approval so we get it in Cal Poly. They said, well, we don't have a spiritual director. You don't? You don't have a spiritual director? Now you do in me. If you want, I'll be your spiritual director. For me, I'm a chameleon. I mean, I'll do everything, no? I'm able to adapt, you know. But these, uh, the, our first priority now, we, we have to have vocations. You like this parish? Kind of? You like the priests? We don't get future priests. We don't get future priests. It's over. It's over. So our future depends upon getting future priests. So the fact that I'm seeing that there's some fish in the sea, I'm throwing, I'm dropping the net. And I think, we, I think we'll get it one or two. I was sitting at the table with one of them. You know, Father, father I'm, I, I'm thinking about becoming a priest. I, I will like the Franciscan. Well, how about the oblates? <laughs> Who are they? I'm an oblate, okay? I'm an oblate, no? Call the oblates. They can come and see a week in there, you know. Try it out. Oh, I never thought about it. Well, you talk with one now. Try it out. The young, young people, a lot of young people have a vocation, but someone has, someone has to challenge them. I tend to be a little bit uh, uh, too aggressive, maybe. I, I almost roped them in, no? But the other stream is you never ask a young man or a woman, 
You ever think about becoming a, a if you never ask them, they're never, they're never going to think about it. There are vocations. I'm going to tell you a very interesting story. I have a, I have a, a brother who's an Irish twin. Know what that is? Do you know? The world, uh, he's, uh, once we hit February, I'm his same age. I'm the same age. Yeah, no, no, but the, the thing is, well, February, I'm his same age. And then March, he passes me. So we're only 11 months apart. My parents had five teenagers at the same time. Hey, Ariana, huh? You think you had two or three? Well, imagine having five. No? Anyway, my mom and dad, they did a pretty good job. But this older brother, um, have you heard of the Ivy League schools on the East Coast? No? Okay, there's Yale, Harvard, Princeton, no, Stanton, no. Uh, Brown, Cornell, uh, Dartmouth. So my brother went to Dartmouth. Uh, and it's, a, it's an Ivy League, which means the cream of the crop. The best here in California would be Stanford, Berkeley, USC, UCLA, but it's a little bit lower than the, those on the East Coast. No offense, no? Okay. He was going to Dartmouth, which is, which is secular. They got a, an, what is called an Aquinas Club there, which would be the same thing as... Um, the Newman Club. So he had a redemptorist priest there, Father Bill Nolan. And he was pumping out vocations of priesthood right and left. Incredible. This is, it's not Steubenville or Ave Maria. or no, Steubenville Ave Maria, you think. Notre Dame or Georgetown Villanova. No. This is a, a secular... A secular Ivy League College. You know why? Because he brought them together. And this is back in the back in the early 70s, no, before some of them were even born. No, but uh, they'd pray the rosary, they'd have Eucharistic adoration, he'd give them a talk, then they'd associate. Have any of you ever heard of EWTN? Yes. Have you? Yes. Okay, the canon lawyer. Gerard uh, Murray is grad graduate from Steubenville. He was a, ye a year behind my brother. He was, he's, can he's a canon lawyer for EWTN now. You ever hear of Saint Alphonse Liguori? Yes. The Glories of Mary, Tan Publisher, is translated from Italian into modern English by Dennis Bailey, another friend of my brother is a redemptorist priest now. They're pumping out these guys right and left. And these guys are the these these guys are the, the most brilliant among the most brilliant in the country. Now they're priests. Wow, what a miracle. Yeah. So I'm saying you you have vocations out there, but you have to know where and when to drop the nets. But get them to pray the rosary. Bring them in front of the blessed sacrament. You know, God does not have laryngitis, okay? Do <laughs> you know what laryngitis? You know laryngitis. God doesn't have laryngitis. 
But we have what's called selective hearing. We, we, we only hear what we want to hear, huh? Amen or oh me. Like if you ask your kids, hey, get up, clean the bathroom, take the junk out, clean your room. They don't hear that, do they? You say, hey, let's go to Disney and then we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese. They hear every word. They're in the car honking the horn within three minutes, right? Right. Let's go. It's called selective hearing, huh? So God, God calls. Well, we have to say yes. We can say no. God calls. We have to say yes. Right, Blanca? Yes. Thank you for saying yes. yes. Okay. So, time. Write out for yourself a plan of life. What are you going to do every year, every month, every week, every day? Every year, a retreat. Every month, make sure you make a good confession. Yeah. Or also, or read a good book. Okay. Hmm. Not a comic book, but a book that's got spiritual content. Okay. Every week, go to mass. Not only Sunday, but an extra mass. Every day. Pray the rosary. Yeah. John the twenty, Pope John the twenty-third said, "The only bad rosary is the rosary that was never prayed." I like that. The only bad rosary is the rosary that was never prayed. Ever happen? You start to pray the rosary, you get all these temptations, huh? All these temptations. Once a lady came to St. Alphonsus with that, and he said, that's a good sign because the devil is angry. The devil is angry. Good sign. The devil doesn't want you to pray the rosary. He wants you to give it up. Okay. So that's time. Treasures. Treasures. Okay, how can you give to the poor? What way can you give to the poor? Donation? I think we, we, we all have to examine our conscience. What would be the best way in which you can give to the poor? Pray over that. We all can give to the poor in one way or another. Visiting a poor, lonely, sick person that is abandoned can be an incredible, incredible treasure because you're giving that person your time and your goodwill and your presence and your care and your concern. I'll tell you a story. Years back, maybe about 15 years ago, it was Sunday, and I, I, I don't know about you, I, I love Sundays. 
uh, probably my favorite day during the week. Just feel there's a special grace on, pre- on Sunday. It's the, it's the day the Lord rose from the dead. There's special graces on Sunday. And um, it was a good day. I had, I think, a 10 o'clock mass. There were a thousand people there. Um, hit the mark in the homily. Uh, good formation class. And then after that, again, the spiritual exercises. I was kind of on a roll. Then I had a paper in my pocket. Ah, someone gave me a little piece of paper to visit a, an old sick person somewhere there in Lakewood. And I was planning to do it, but I just didn't have the time. But I had a, I had a block of time before the evening Mass. So I went there. It was a poor house. Um, I knocked on the door. The lady, maybe close to 90 years old, made it to the door. Her hair was disheveled. The house smelled of urine, of urine with, uh, with dog fur all over the place. Uh, just a, a bad smell and a bad appearance. All. And this old lady all alone and sad and depressed. So I sat down and I, I, I heard a confession. I gave her the anointing of the sick. I gave her communion. gave her a holy card. I told her a story. I told a joke. I was t- tried to tell a joke. Huh? <laughs> Give me a little bit of a little bit of humor is good. No? <laughs> they came back to, for other activities. They had 8 o'clock Mass. Then I was examining my conscience for the night. I said, Lord, hey, it was a good day. No? Well, what do you think about that, you know, that uh, the homily of the 10 o'clock Mass? How about the exercise of the program? How about the 8 o'clock Mass? Lord, what do they do that please you most? When you went to that house there with that poor abandoned lady, you sat down, you listened to her, you gave her a word of encouragement, you smiled at her, you told a story, you told a joke. That's what gave me greatest pleasure. He said, Lord, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but I didn't want to hear it. Of course, well, if they don't want you to visit, you don't go. But this this person wanted wanted wasn't it's quite the contrary. The the person wanted me earlier than I arrived. But sometimes we're so busy that. Uh, what I'm just saying, there's a lot of people that are lonely out there. A lot of lonely people. I was chosen as a president of the pro-life movement at Villanova in, in Philly. And uh, we had two different groups. One visiting the high schools. The other one, we, we'd visit the, the nursing homes there on the main line. Main line here in California would be the Beverly Hills area. We have a lot of lot of lot of riches, no? And these these older people, they're probably millionaires, but abandoned. Abandoned by their kids. Abandoned by their kids. 
probably multi-millionaires, no? And I would go there with a group, with my team, and we would play the guitar, we'd sing and dance and give them something to eat and pray with them. I tell you, that made their day. Because someone showed them interest. Yes, someone showed them interest. That's one group that we try to help out, is the elderly. They're being marginalized in this country. They're being pushed aside. And you know that you know, know the philosophy is. I'm going to teach you a very technical theological word tonight. It's called utilitarianism. Utilitarianism. You're a walking dictionary. You know what it is, right? Yeah, right? No, no? Yeah, utilitarianism. Oh, Go ahead. Um, that's uh, using people, right? Not bad. Utilitarianism, it was... Uh, the, the author is John Stuart Mill, who was a political scientist of the 19th century, and Jeremy Bentham, a couple of them, English political scientists and, and philosophers. Utilitarianism is basically you're valuable in as much as you have wealth. So the more you're able to produce wealth economically, the more valuable you are as a person. That's the American society today. It is. This was coined 150 years ago, but that explains explains American society. Well, you know, say for example, okay, say for example, you're 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 pregnant and you get a pregnancy test and there's an extra chromosome. You know what that means? It's a Down's child. Ninety percent of those babies are aborted in this country. I think in Scandinavia or in Europe, it's actually, uh, I think it's actually. Obligatory if the woman is Scandinavia or maybe Denmark, one of those countries, where if you what? Denmark. Okay, Denmark. Is that if you are pregnant and that baby has an extra chromosome, you're obliged by law to, to to abort that baby. We're kind of heading in that direction because euthanasia is already being legalized, not federally yet, but on the state level, Oregon, Vermont, these states. Are they're they're, legal, they're they're legalizing euthanasia? Euthanasia doesn't mean a young Asian person euthanasia, no. But rather, it means get rid of grandma, get rid of the sick person. And it, it, if you know your Bible well, it's diametrically opposed to the gospel. Who did Jesus love the most? The the blind. The deaf, the paralytics, the lepers, okay, uh, the the dregs of society, the mutes, the deaf. Did you hear me? Okay. Did you hear me? The deaf. Okay, good. Okay. Those were the ones that the Lord loved most. Who are the ones that Mother Teresa loved most? 
The poorest of the poor. Right? How about John Bosco? The youth. But what type of youth? John, okay. John Bosco lived what's called the Industrial Revolution. It started in England and it moved from England to, uh, to Italy. What happened was you had the people that were working on farms. You, so they're moving from the farms to the urban, which means city. And they're displaced. So the father's out there working and their, and their sons, their teenage sons, were out there in, in the streets. They would be the, the cholos of the 19th century. So Bosco bent over backwards. He founded the Salesian Order. You've heard of the Salesians. Dedicated to helping uh, not simply the young boys, but those who are basically the poor ones. No? The street urchins. So, um, giving to the poor is not simply pulling out a a handful of nickels and thrown at him. Okay, fine, do that. Throw a handful of nickels at the poor guy in the street. But uh, maybe giving the person time. Maybe giving the person um, support. Maybe kindness. Maybe a good word. Maybe a good book. You know, poverty is not simply physical. Poverty can be cultural. It can be social, it can be moral, it can be spiritual, it can be emotional. We just think the poor guy, the poor guy in the street pulling off the 605 freeway, that crazy guy that we always see, huh? I gave him a soda the other day. Me, like, you know the crazy guy? He's been there for, what, 10 years, no? Kind of like that guy, no? <laughs> but so we can go beyond, have the, give the guy, give the crazy guy something from Pollo Loco, give him, but... Try to expand your horizons. Okay. So treasures, talents. So let's uh, let's move this to your to your children. Do you, how many of you have more than one child? Okay. Are they all? They're all the same. They're all the same, right? No. They're like night and day. Okay, now, this is a, a, a question that only I can say to you, but be honest. If you've got two, three, four, five children, one of them is the most intelligent. Now, you're aware of that? You don't want to admit it, but you know, there's going to be one. <laughs> you know, you don't want to admit it, but the one, one is just... Right. And if you know them, you know that, no? Mm-hmm. So, be, you can't say that to the others, no? But it's just a gift from God. Well, one is very quick. Never read something, understand it right away. The other one takes three times and it picks up only half of it, okay? <laughs> right? I mean, you got, you got to be honest, no? But that one that maybe doesn't have the same IQ, maybe has another talent in art, or maybe in sports, or maybe in sharing, uh, that is 
way greater than maybe the one that's got a, bit, a better intellect. So it's up to you as parents to see what are the what are the talents of your children, and uh, and help them to recognize them and cultivate that. For example, I know myself. I'm never going to be a university professor in physics and math at MIT. I'm not. You know, I'm not good at math. Uh, math, I, I just don't have any brains no, for that. But you put me in a room to write, I'm a good writer. I write books, and pretty good books, too. I have a gift in there. I know that, no? Okay, Argentina beat France. Okay? Uh, Mexicans, uh, they, they love soccer. I don't like soccer. Why? I like to. Ha I, I like sports where you can use your hand. You give me a baseball bat, I'll send it into the skies. No, right, Gerardo? Yeah, I know. I, I can. I can play good baseball, even though I'm getting old. No. So, getting to know the talents of your children, so they can they can cultivate those talents. Now, I'll tell you, one of the, I think one of the greatest sufferings I've had teaching confirmation for many years, and we had you in our confirmation class with Father Larry years ago, now we're getting your kids, so we're getting the, <laughs> we're getting the kids of you parents now, is um, before I would ask the children to read, teenagers to read, and I've had just bad experiences they're 14 or 15. They're reading on a second grade level. No, I'm being, I'm, I'm being honest. And it, for, for me, you know what it's like? Second grade level? So, but it's, it's not, that they're, not that they can't read, but the parents never, never really motivated them to read. Not that they're lacking. And I thought, if I, if I, if I had your, your son, you give me for 15 days, for half an hour, he'd be reading, not on the second grade level, or already maybe in the college level. I've just worked with him. This is the way you pronounce it. You don't say it that way. See that word? That's a monosyllabic word. That's a polysyllabic. So let's try to, let's try to pronounce it. No? So let's, it's laziness. It's intellectual laziness. So the biggest tragedy is to have have children that have gifts, but they're lazy. That's the biggest tragedy. That's the biggest tragedy. To have a keen intellect, but lazy. So you, it's up to you to recognize what are the talents your kids have and to elicit it so that they can develop these talents to the max. Amen? Amen. To the max. And then we who are a little bit older, we have talents that, we have talents that God wants us to develop too. No, I'm too old, Father, I'm 50. Don't say that. So vieja, o podrida también, no? Come on, no. Don't say that, no? 
No. Until the end, there's something that God wants you to work on to cultivate. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's move on to the next. Clean heart. Clean heart. Uh, making a good sacramental confession. That's a good way to have a clean heart. Making a good sacramental confession. I really liked that this afternoon. I was there about 3.45 and tons of kids coming in. I think I confessed 50. Moving at a really quick pace, no? No, now they're confessed. That ought to happen every month. Maybe family day where you, you bring the whole family once a month. You know, your husband, you, Ashley, Miley, you know, get the whole family in and you have to pull your loco afterward, okay? Get ice cream. Ice cream. How difficult it must be to live with a guilty conscience. How difficult to live with a guilty conscience. I think that's hell on earth. There's a one-liner in Shakespeare and Macbeth. Conscience doth make cowards of all of us. So in the quiet of night, the conscience is like an executioner. So, we want to we live with a, with a clean heart. So we can contemplate God in this life as well as in the life to come. Amen? Amen. Okay. Welcoming soul. Welcoming soul. Welcoming soul. You know, when I was a kid, I used to hate it when we had guests. You know what? Because I was brought up with what is called the English etiquette. The English etiquette. Know what that is? When we had guests, it was a big deal. So on Sunday would come, guess what we'd have to do on Saturday? Oh. Oh, I hated it. We'd have to clean the house, clean the garage, clean the attic, go to the store, buy the best food. I'd have to take a bath the night before. I hated to take a bath, no? <laughs> I, it was, it, for me, it, it was a tragedy, no? I had to work the whole day. Saturday was my day to play baseball. No, I couldn't play baseball that day, no? And then when the guests came in, it was like the Prince of England. Or Prince Diana, no? Oh, really? That's called the English etiquette. My parents really took very seriously. We didn't, it didn't happen too often, maybe once a month. The only thing I, let, I liked is that I would, I'd be able to eat the leftovers afterward, no? 
Yeah, but no, no, they would come in, welcome them. There'd be like hors d'oeuvres there, a nice glass of wine. And eventually we were over at the table there, have three different dishes, and we have a dessert, and we have some coffee. And and the adult would be speaking, we'd be listening with our hands folded, smiling. <laughs> oh, it's, it's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't entertain that. My dad had that fraternity paddle spring sting. No? <laughs> but I, I use that as an analogy. And how how do we receive Jesus in the Holy Communion? Huh? Shouldn't we have a better a better English etiquette than receive Jesus and receive Holy Communion? We just receive them non, in a nonchalant, flippant manner. Huh? We're receiving guests that we had great respect for. But Jesus is God himself. He's the creator of the universe. You come in late to Mass, we're not paying attention. What are we going to have for lunch? Uh, the priest is, is preaching too long. What are we going to have afterward? Let's see if I can rush out there and beat that car you know, out of the parking lot. No? <laughs> it happens. And consequently, we're, we're, diminishing, we're diminishing the many graces that God wants to give us. No? You ever read the life of, of, of Philip Neri? Uh, Philip Neri, um, I have a third, I have a first class relic of him in my room, a, a bone of him. And if you've ever been in Italy, he's known as the second apostle of Rome. He's from Florence, but he lived most of his life in, in Rome and known as the second apostle of Rome. And he spent most of his priesthood in what's called La Chiesa Nuova. You speak Italian, no? La Chiesa Nuova would be the new church. And he had confessions around the clock there. He was very, very meticulous in his liturgy. He liked, liked order. But on one occasion there was this guy, he would be coming to Mass, and before the final blessing he'd be rushing out as if his pants were on fire. I mean, just rushing out the door. You know? This happened every day for about a week. Without without receiving the final blessing, the Philip Mary had an idea. Okay, if he rushes out the door tomorrow, we'll we'll do something special. So the guy got up, received communion. He rushed out front door, and two altar servers with candles followed him. <laughs> Philip Mary followed him into the streets of Rome. The guy turned around. And he said, what are you doing? He said, we're doing a Eucharistic procession. You have Jesus in your heart. I thought we'd make a Eucharistic procession. (laughs) (laughs) So he got the drift. So the following day, we spent time afterward to thank the Lord. Maybe we can get Father Lena to do that. Some of the people at Sunday Mass. We can do the Eucharistic procession. (laughs) So let's uh, welcome our Lord into our hearts. That's great. What I'm saying is making good and fervent Holy Communions.
making good and fervent holy communions. Do you know how you say Christmas in Italian? I didn't think so, so I'll tell you. It's called Natale. Natale. Okay. In French, it's Noel. In Spanish, it's Navidad. But look at the word, look at the word we have in English. It's a compound word. Compound word means have two words in one. It's called a compound word learning your grammar, how to sell it. Christmas. So divide it. Christ Mass, the Mass of Christ. Like that? That's really what Christmas is, is the Mass. So every time you go to Mass, every time you go to Mass, it's really Christmas because Christ is born when I make the consecration, he's born in my hands and then born in your heart. Like that? Amen. Yeah. Christ Mass, Christmas. So, we want to welcome Christ into our hearts this Christmas by going to Mass and receiving communion. Did you know that there are three different Masses for Christmas? I didn't think so, so I'll tell you. There's the Mass at midnight, there's a Mass at dawn, and there's a Mass during the day. Three different readings, too. And we as priests, when we celebrate uh, all souls, we can celebrate three Masses for the souls in purgatory. But we are allowed to celebrate three different masses on Christmas. So. Are those celebrated here, Father? Uh, yeah, we usually don't do it at um, at midnight because Tanema Sacerdote Viejos. Because we have all the priests here. None of us are in our 30s, nor even our 40s, you no? Know? Nor even our fifties, or even beyond that, Kim. <laughs> have priests that are in their eighties, and of the youngest priests, I'm the oldest of the youngest priests. <laughs> so, because of our age, uh, Father Larry has it that we we, we celebrate the mass a little bit earlier. So, oh. Probably we'll have one mass. Uh, I don't know the. You, you probably know already. One, one is Spanish, another one is English. Yes, so it's in Spanish. And then English is like eight o'clock or something. Yeah. So we're not doing it that late, no. Respect your elders, right? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, reconciliation. means this. If you if in your family there's a tension or you're not talking to someone in your family, make peace now. Make peace now. 
Think peace. And the, the, the reason why there is a lack of reconciliation, let's, let's mention it. It's pride. Pride. Pride, self-love. You hurt me? I'm waiting for you to ask for forgiveness and then I'll think about it. Come on. Yeah. I think you're the big banana, the big man on campus, huh? You're the big, che- you're the big cheese. Come on. Try to be humble. Then you have husband and wife, they have a fight. They're not talking to each other. They're there walking in front of the kid. They're walking in front of the kids. You're walking, you're crossing it, and their kids are looking. And the wife does this. <laughs> Mom, what's wrong with your neck? <laughs> the kids see that. So you, you, you can't be celebrating Christmas when you're angry at the member, members in your family. Try to reconcile. Try to reconcile. When I do weddings, and I've done a lot of them, some, I've done as many as 25 in one mass, no? one of those group weddings. Right. I'll say to the couple, the three most important things you have to learn how to say is, listen, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, those are tough words, huh? Sorry, I love you, sorry, I forgive you. Tough words, huh? And the Bible says, don't allow the sun to go down on your anger. And many marriages are are, are, are rent asunder because of unresolved conflict. You know? Unresolved conflict. So there's a conflict, there's a resentment, and it's not resolved, and the situation gets worse. And before you know it, I'm going home to mom. Unresolved conflict. Yeah? It builds up like a pressure cooker. It grows up. Before you know it, the lid blows off. So, as the Bible says, never go to bed don't allow the sun to go down on your anger. Yeah. Not that? On yeah. the wrath. Right? On the wrath, yeah. Okay, so reconciliation. You've read the Bible. What is that passage? If you're going to offer something, your gift, to the altar, you remember that passage? Offering. You remember that? You're going to offer your gift at the altar and you recognize someone has something against you. What should you do? And do what? Go go, leave the gift, go be reconciled and then come back and offer your gift. I think that's very liturgical referring to the Mass. Yeah, because in these uh, in these days in which a lot of family members come together, there can be a lot of tension. No? A lot of tension. 
Okay, family activities. One, I'll give you three. One family activity. would be and this is the most important make sure that you're you're going to mass at on Christmas so that is you you got confirmation kids they don't even go to mass on Sunday uh, on, on Christmas oh that's what a tragedy choose whatever mass you want you can go to Christmas night mass you can go to that one of the masses during the day. That should be that should be your first priority. Another activity might be as 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 I mentioned, maybe see one of these movies together. And I mentioned in the and the writing at the very beginning is the classical one by Charles Dickens, and it's called The Christmas Carol. Of all the movies made by Hollywood, that's probably the, that's probably the most famous that's ever been made. And I gave you a little summary in the writing with Ebenezer Scrooge. That'd be a good activity with your kids on vacation. And the the, the the message couldn't be more simple. This man who just wants to make a lot of money and take advantage of his workers, his whole life is focused on accumulating money. He has a vision of his future death. He wakes up and he's converted. Opens up the window, snowing, and he asks the little boy that's dragging the sled, is the fat turkey still in the marketplace, my lad? Is the fat turkey still in the marketplace, my lad? Yes, sir. He throws out a bag of money there, gets the turkey, goes to Bob Cratchit's house. We've got tiny, tiny Tim. Merry Christmas! Is that you, Scrooge? Yes, I've changed. So going from a spirit of sadness because you become a slave of possessions to the spirit of joy in giving. There's more joy in giving than in receiving. That's the message. And in a materialistic society today, it's a, it's a darn good one, no? Are your children thinking more about the presents they're going to receive or Jesus is going to be born? Good question, huh? Yeah, they're already thinking, what am I going to get? A new phone, a new laptop, Xbox, already thinking about that, what is Santa Claus gonna gonna give me? You know, if you have a chimney, put a nice fire and send Santa Claus to the moon for me, okay? <laughs> you got my permission, okay? <laughs> that fat guy within the red pajamas, huh? 
Okay, so the third activity third activity would be among many if possible vi visiting an older sick person that's abandoned and bring your teenager there to see that there are people in this world that suffer more, much more than him or her instead of them throwing their pity party let's go and see someone that basically has nothing there you're complaining. As the poet says, I complained because I had no shoes until I met someone without any feet. Huh? Remember that one. There's always someone that has, has a worse situation than us. Think about if you're, you're living in the, in the Ukraine for Christmas. huh? That'd be tough. Huh? Yeah, the Russians are not letting up, are they? No? And little children have to live through that, hearing bombs every six or seven hours. No? Here we complain because we get something McDonald's and the, the coffee's not as hot as you want it to be. You're sad the whole day, no? <laughs> right, Imelda? See you, Padre. Yeah. Well, iced coffee is bad. It's good, right? Okay, family prayer. Okay, what prayer? Letter A, uh, the family rosary. Family rosary. Family that prays together stays together, right? Amen. Second would be... Uh, Reading, reading the Bible is a good thing, especially reading a psalm, psalm of the Good Shepherd. And let us see what be family going to mass together. I'm repeating that several times, but I, there's nothing more important than the holy sacrifice of the mass. Nothing more important. So, was this helpful tonight? Thank you, Father. Say a prayer and then uh, pray that we would experience the true meaning of Christmas, which is the birth of Christ in our souls. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, Bless the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners. The Lord be with you. May God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Okay, and have a, have a great Christmas then. Okay.